0: hi everybody this is patty negri welcome to the witching hour we have a great guest for you this week healer writer folklorist brandon weston and folk magic is one of my favorite things so you are going to love him but before we go there let me tell you a little bit about this week and where's patty if you are listening to this on the week it first drops, which is the 29th, November 29th, you've probably just finished Thanksgiving, if you're in America, and you're all full and going, I need to go on a diet, so you're going to listen to last week's diet thing, but no, it's the holiday season, so... um I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, whatever you chose to do. And this week, we're getting back into it. It is the holidays. Um, I am start. If those of you who are single and don't want to be single, I am starting my very special. Haven't done it in a while. Three week course: The Magic and Science of Love. I do it with my young and spry 83 year old friend, Merle Singer, who is a relationship miracle expert relationship miracle expert. I don't know what she is. She's, she's been married to the same guy over 50 years happily, so she knows what she's doing. We have this class. It's kind of breakthrough training, training meets witchcraft, meets psychology, and... People who's like, I never meet the right person. I meet the wrong person, or I don't meet anybody. We've got marriages out of it, weddings, engagements, living together. So it's breakthrough if you're really tired of being single, whether you're a man or you're a woman, and whether you want a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Magic and science of love through my school, uh, Magicus University, Magicus. Um, on Tuesday, my regular class is going to be. Psychic protection and a protection ritual Because if any of you live in this world Of paranormal and magic Which you all probably do Because you're listening to this podcast You do need a little extra protection sometimes So we're going to go through um, Psychic protection, physical protection All these beautiful magical protection techniques That you can do yourself Whether you're at home doing spell work on your own Or ritual Or you're off on some ghost hunt Or paranormal expedition with somebody So that's Tuesday Monday is the singles class Um, And no class on Sunday because I'm going to Texas. That's right. I'm going to Dallas, Texas. Any of you in that Dallas-Fort Worth area, I'm going to be at Miracles of Joy, my favorite little metaphysical shop. It's in Louisville, suburban Dallas. Um, Three days I'm doing workshops, teaching magical and spell working and manifestation workshops, doing seances, private sessions. So if you're in that area and you want to come and this is all live, it's not even sessions by Zoom. We are live and nationwide. So the weekend of the 4th, 5th, whatever that is, Dallas, I'm coming home, might be doing a TV show that I can't talk about. And then it's Vegas, Vegas, you got to join us in Vegas. I will be at the Para Unity Convention at the MGM Grand with all the best of the best of the best of this crazy paranormal world. Um, if, if, if they have a TV show, they're probably going to be there. Everything from Zach Bagan's Museum is going to be there. Chris Fleming, Josh Gates, all sorts of great things. And I'm going to be there with my my paranormal family. So if you are there, come find me. Go to myparanormal.net. Or our Facebook page, because we have a secret breakaway room. We have a secret breakaway room that you can come to and get photos with us. And we might, we just might, have some haunted Christmas trees to take photo opportunities back. We might, just might, Bridget might have a... A ghost magnet tree. I might, just might, have a tarot tree. And we might even have a spooky doll tree with my dear friend, Haley Michelle. Speaking of Haley Michelle, you guys might know her as a paranormal princess. She's been doing some really fun things with our Scared and Alone on the My Paranormal, our Saturday nights. I just did my first one last week, I hope you saw. It was really fun, it was really crazy. Well, Haley Michelle's been doing them, so she's flying out too and she is a doll I just got to see her we spent a day together getting kicked off the Queen Mary getting kicked out of the Cecil Hotel um, running around downtown Los Angeles making lots of trouble because she's my new little sister from another lifetime so come on down to vegas mgm Grand, para unity make sure you go to the myparanormal.net and come some come come meet us in person and do all sorts of fun giveaways and trees and magic so that's it for this week that's where i am everywhere that i can tell you so far okay guess what time it is it's time for the willow report She's being a very good dog this week, except that she's hiding. You're supposed to look at the camera, Willow. we got to get her in acting school. Her predecessor, Dora, was just naturally good at this. Some people need more lessons than that. But the big thing that we have to do now is that her new trainer said we have to take away two-thirds of her toys. Two-thirds. I mean, okay, she probably has 300 stuffed toys literally, not even figuratively. But he said, what we should do is take away two thirds of them, put them away. Oh, what are you doing? Put them away so that they're really special. And when you put them away, here's a treat for you or trick for you guys who have lots of it. Store them in a plastic bag with like beef jerky or something that smells really good. And so the toys are gonna smell like this yummy thing when you do the switch off. So I don't know how long, a week, a month, Next year, you switch the toys and it's like they have a whole new set of toys that smell like really good stuff. So, but my big thing that we have to do this week is figure out how to take away two thirds of her toys because she's a little possessive. We have the regular toys she plays with. We have the toys that have to go into the pet hospital because she chewed them up and destroyed them. I have never until Willow had a dog that eat and chewed up her toys and destroyed them and pulled the stuffing out and murdered them and killed them badly. But she does, and that's her job. So do we take away the ones in the hospital? I don't know. But basically the Willow Report is she's going to be a sad puppy perhaps because she's not going to get any turkey, and we're going to take away two-thirds of her toys because she's going to be a healthy, happy, beautiful, well-balanced girl. That's the Willow Report. So remember your pets. Remember a lot of the stuff we eat at Thanksgiving And Christmas is not good for dogs like grapes and onions and stuff. So take care of your babies. If you do feed them people food, don't give them too much because it's just not good for them. And uh, they'll love you forever, much longer that way. So that's it. Let's go take away some of your toys, Willow. What do you think about that? No, no, don't take away my toys. No, no, don't take away my toys. (gasps) See you next week, you guys. Bye. I get kisses. But before we get into my guest it's time for magic magic yes the magic this week since we just had thanksgiving and we are getting into the holiday season whether it be hanukkah or christmas or yule or kwanzaa or just the dang end of the year and we're starting a new one which is a holiday in itself for a lot of people a lot of what the holiday rolls around is 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 food, is is meals together with family, with friends, whether it's potluck or big family dishes. it's tradition even more or as much as the belief systems or religion within each of those. So food, why not make the food magic itself? Um, I've been teaching kitchen magic for a long time, which is not bad for a girl who really can't cook. You know, I made it on Master Chef, cook for Gordon Ramsay for a girl who can't cook. I've done three different cooking shows so far, which is really good for a girl who got kicked out of home economics cooking class in high school. But what's magic about cooking is that if you like spell work, if you like candle work, if you like making things and energy move, put it into your cooking, put it into your baking. It's just as magic. All those ingredients that you're doing your spell working with Many of them are the same ingredients that you put in your food. Cinnamon is passion, a rosemary on your chicken or your turkey or whatever you're doing. All these ingredients have beautiful attributes. And if you put your intent and in magic, as you guys know from magic, you're going to have not just have that Thanksgiving turkey or Christmas ham, you're going to have magical ham or a communication with the family ham or Find me a new love. Apple pie. Apple pie. Apples are love. Oh, yeah. From the love magic class. Ooh, and you put a little cinnamon. Oh, that's passion. What if on um, your apple pie crust you you draw a little heart on the bottom of the crust? Ooh, there's love. You make signs and sigils. You know how I'm about sigils right there on the pie crust. What if you're not even doing a crust? What if you're just you're stirring your mashed potatoes? Instead of just stirring your mashed potatoes, you do it in the figure eight of infinity? What if you're doing it in the shape of a heart of love and you literally are putting that love into the potatoes? You guys, intent is everything. Food is magical mixing within itself. So with every ingredient you are putting in, put intent. You might even wanna do a little candle burning with it. Here's a good one. You almost all have coffee beans in your house. Coffee beans increase any spell. Maybe you want to do, I'm going to do a love candle or a money candle for my family. We've been having money issues. It's crazy. So maybe you're going to do a green candle. Stick a green birthday candle, because then they burn down in three seconds, in a little bunch of coffee coffee beans, which will increase it. So as you're getting ready to make your meal, here's my little green money candle birthday candle in some coffee beans and add this magic into what you are cooking so remember whenever you are going clockwise you are adding 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 whether you're adding love adding energy adding communication when you're going counterclockwise you're removing removing angst removing fear removing anger about the last holidays so do that into all of your food garlic is magic onions are magic sit all the spices that we use during the holidays so as well as whatever your favorite meals that you're making. Put some magic into them, you guys. Magic is everywhere. You just gotta look sometimes. And today, I've got an amazing guest for you. I am so excited to really meet him and get to know him myself and get his book. But let me introduce you to Brandon Weston. He is a healer, writer, and folklorist who owns and operates Ozark Healing Tradition, an online collective of articles, lectures, and workshops focusing on Ozark Mountain region. As a practicing folk healer, his works with clients includes everything from spiritual cleanses to house blessings he has comes up from a long line of ozark hill folk and is also a folk herbalist yarb doctor and power doctor you could visit him on ozarkhealing.com but for now let's get the real person whether i can speak right now or not welcome thank you so much brandon for coming on
1: thank you for having me yeah it's great to be here
0: I am so excited because I'm very elemental in my magic. I'm very earthy Mm -hmm. in my magic, but I'm sitting in the middle of Los Angeles in Hollywood. Um, So were you were you born into this? Is this something how you were raised?
1: Not really. You know, in the Ozarks, we have so many traditions and practices and beliefs and things like that, that, you know, that they just kind of become a part of the culture and you, you stop thinking about them. (laughs) So I grew up, you know, we'd never really talked about magic or anything like that, but we had home remedies. We had, you know, ghost stories and stories that we would pass around. I had a great uncle who was a wart charmer. He could buy warts off of people. And so they would, he would give you a nickel or a dime and the warts would disappear overnight, things like that. So there are a lot of these practices, traditions that have just been sort of ingrained in the culture for so long that they're just kind of commonplace. You don't really think about them. And that was kind of how it was with me growing up and then I kind of, you know, in college discovered the the folklorists who had been studying the Ozarks and everything just opened up. I had no idea that, you know, the weird things my family was doing was, you know, important or anybody might care about or connected to this larger tapestry of culture here. So for me, I kind of say, you know, I did grow up with it, but I didn't grow up with it in the same way as, you know, I'm talking about in the book. So, you know, we talk a lot about magic, witchcraft, spells, things like that. And this is really sort of... um, modern way of looking at traditional practices from the Ozarks because traditionally Ozark people didn't use the words magic spells things like that because all right. of that was associated with evil it was all associated with witchcraft and all of that of course has changed over the years as the area has changed but you know this is a this is a way for modern people using modern language you know terms that, like witch, that we're reclaiming, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I myself call myself a witch, um, but you know, I, I I know the company that I can use that word in, and Correct. you know, <laughs> the people that maybe I can't use that word with. But yeah, so I I grew up with it, but not in the way that maybe some people think.
0: Right, you weren't digging in the backyard, but do 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 you um. Do you find yourself, I mean, I could tell that you are yourself very gifted and intuitive in that. You have the witch blood, as I call it. Um, so it would make sense that you would be led there, whether you're, you know, you're in your backyard with your mom doing that or not. Right. Um, I'm still, I'm, stu- I'm stuck on the wart doctor. That is great. I did that enough people have warts to get it magically taken off of them?
1: Well, I mean, you know used to my my grandparents generation great grandparents you know they they lived mostly rural lives on farms and things like that and if you know you're doing that sort of labor you get a lot of warts so <laughs> when we look at the the old ozarks we we can see that there are a lot of wart doctors there are a lot of blood stoppers so if you have a bleeding wound they know how to magically stop the wound there were a lot of sort of chills and fever doctors, burn doctors. So it was all sort of related to the maladies and the afflictions that people would have commonly had at the time. And it's interesting to look at how, even amongst traditional Ozark healers today, all of that stuff has kind of changed. You know, people are starting to incorporate things like depression, anxiety, all of this other stuff. Um, you know, soul loss or mm-hmm. you know all of these sort of spiritual problems—they're starting to work these more into their public life. Whereas before, you know, he, traditional healers probably were healing in that way, but they were healing—they were much more healing, you know, the the emergency stuff at the time. Right.
0: Right. Well, in the moment, because they didn't have time for mental health care so much, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So so I love that the very separation. So would a wart doctor be separate from the fever doctor from the blood doctor or did you have to have so you just had your one specialty? That's
1: well, there were there were generalists and then there were also specialists generalists. um, There were several different names. Uh, things like yarb doctor and power doctor, which are some of the old terms that I'm trying to get started again. You don't really hear them much anymore. But a yarb doctor specifically worked with yarbs, and yarbs is a dialect word for herbs, for plants. So a yarb doctor was an herbalist. Um, They traditionally didn't work with any spells or charms or prayers or anything, although they may have their repertoire of prayers that they would say while they were preparing medicines and things like that. A power doctor, on the other hand, was the specialist in magical illnesses, cur- removing curses, hexes, things like that. They worked with talismans, amulets, charms, verbal charms, prayers, spells, all of this sort of magical stuff. And then you you also had specialists, and these were people that inherited maybe just one technique or one gift. So, for instance, the wart charmer. There were lots and lots and lots of different wart cures But there may be one individual in town who specialized in removing warts or, you know, blowing the fire out of burns, as they say, you know, removing the the pain and the heat from a burn or stopping blood, things like that. And a lot of times these were things that were passed down through families. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of different traditions surrounding passing the gift, things like that. Um, So, yeah, you had specialists, then you also had the generalists um the granny woman is probably one of the more famous figures in ozark folk tales and things like that she was kind of an all-encompassing figure in the community she was a midwife she was an herbalist she was a, a power doctor worked with prayers worked with charms and spells and things like that and so she was really um in a lot of communities there was always this sort of matriarch granny woman yeah. figure that's beautiful. And, yeah, we picture in the woods. And um, ex- excuse the
0: barking. That is... Uh I got our five-minute limit with my pup, Willow, I guess. Um, So what are some of the, again, and I like that you bring it into the modern world, even my book, Old World Magic for the Modern World, and, you know, you don't have to go foraging for things so much. Um, And I like even that you talk about the healing power of plants and prayers. That's Mm -hmm. how you enter the book. So what are some of your favorite, um, people are making a comeback into more natural, Mm -hmm. a lot of people into their medicines and their cures for things. What are some of your favorite, healing plants that people could work or herbs
1: well two of my personal favorites and they have a long history in ozark folk magic and folk healing use um is sassafras so uh root beer used to be flavored with sassafras root uh so you know if you smell sassafras root you immediately get the sense of root beer because they you know they used to use it in it um, it's it's a really good healing plant. It's been used here for as a spring tonic um, for a long time. It you know one of those plants that we inherited from the indigenous people in Appalachia when Ozark people were still a part of that culture. Uh, so it's it's um, according to Ozark usage, it cleans the blood, which is a euphemism for it being a laxative, <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> not mild laxatives. Uh, it goes back to the humoral theory, so the, the, the blood is connected to the liver and to the digestive system. So if you are able to cleanse or heal the digestive system in the liver, you are building your blood or you're strengthening your blood. So a lot of times people would take sassafras tea in the spring as a spring tonic to help tonify their liver and their digestive system and therefore their blood. It is an all-around just amazing plant. Medicinally, you can use the the root, the leaves, the twigs. Um, it's also got a lot of magical uses. It's a cleansing plant. It's associated with the element water. So you, you never want to burn sassafras. There's a lot of taboos around burning it. The legend is that you if you burn sassafras wood in your fire, the sparks will catch your house on fire. So it's uh, this magical plant water but not you know fire but it's been used in cleansing rituals so people would make baths with it and you know even if they weren't taking it internally as a cleansing plant they would be taking it externally to wash away general illnesses but also hexes curses anything that might be sticking to the body my other favorite plant uh, is red cedar it's actually not a cedar it's a juniper so it's juniperus virginiana and you know european people in america have had a long history with juniper going back to scottish highlands to german areas so they would have already had this love of juniper as a cleansing plant it's a good smoke plant so if you are you know trying to get away from white sage things like that juniper is an amazing cleansing plant and we have our native juniper here red cedar And so people would take it and they would use it as a fumigation for their house to help clear out negative energies, spirits. Um, They would also use it in baths, so external cleansing rituals, things like that. I always like to say that there is a holy trinity of plants in the Ozarks, and that's red cedar, sassafras, and tobacco. Because these three plants traditionally and today have been used to cure anything from skin disorders, fevers, chills, all the way up to severe possession and haunting and all of that stuff.
0: <laughs> that is fabulous. So where would one and again I understand tobacco has been used and and I love that you're staying away from sage. I I'm I try to stay away from too much sage. Sage I think has been overused and a little harsh for most things. What is your thoughts on sage? I would like your
1: those are thoughts. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a plant person, and so I'm all about responsibly harvesting plants. And I think that we're getting to the point where white sage is not being responsibly harvested. Um, and my thoughts on it are that, you know, there, there are a ton of plants out there that have these cleansing properties, and we can use plants that are in abundance. So my favorite cleansing for smokes, uh, sort of mm-hmm. smudge alternatives, are juniper or red cedar if you have it. Also, um, going back to you know Western and Northern Euro- European origins, mugwort and wormwood are both fantastic cleansing plants, and they're so abundant, <laughs> and they're so easy to grow. So if you enjoy growing plants, you know mugwort and wormwood and yarrow and mullein, all of these sort of... Northern European plants are great cleansing plants. They're just as powerful as white sage. And I think you know pa- part of our work as you know, being connected to that natural flow of magic is being stewards of the natural world. And so I'd, I, I have a problem with uh, you know people overusing plants taking until, you know, there's nothing left. We're, you know, as witches, we're stewards of the world. We're stewards of the earth. And I think that the part of how we can fit into that role is by monitoring how we use plants, where we get the plants from, making sure that they're sustainably harvested and things like that.
0: Thank you for that. I agree wholeheartedly. And I have heard about the harvesting of the sage and everything. I really g- gave it up years ago. Um, and I use, I've used wow. a lot of mugwort and wormwood and things like that myself. So where would somebody, um like I've never used sassafras for anything. So where would I, where would I get sassafras if I'm like, I need some sassafras?
1: Is that? So it's, it's pretty widely available online. Uh, I mean, all of the big sort of herb sellers out there that do bulk herbs will have sassafras. Uh, the, in the 80s, I think, the FDA banned sassafras in commercial products because it does contain a chemical called saffron, which they did lab tests on, and it uh, the lab rats that they used the saffron with grew tumors on their liver So they banned anything containing saffron. I always, you know, I always give a caveat to this study because there hasn't been any studies done since the 80s that I know of, and it was highly concentrated amounts. Most of the time, people using sassafras as a tea or something like that, you're not going to get enough of the saffron for it to actually cause harm. Traditionally, in the Ozarks, it was a spring tonic, which means you use it, you know, you may take a dose of three cups a day for a week, but then you don't use it after that. So it's it's a powerful plant. It's a powerful medicine, but we have to, you know, give it respect. <laughs> and part of giving it respect is, you know, using it for a short time to tonify the body and then letting it go for a while. And then, you know, if you get sick, you may use it again. But, yeah, sassafras is available online. Red cedar is less available, but it does grow throughout uh, pretty much all of eastern United States. Um, and of course, you can always substitute juniper, and you can even substitute juniper berries, which are very common. Um, but they're both they're both juniper plants. So I, I I I for me, nothing smells better than some crushed juniper berries on a an incense charcoal, just like. I don't know. There's something about that cleansing smoke that is so, so good.
0: I agree. I now I used a lot of juniper and juniper, but we have that here out west. So yes. that's that's in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are some of the other what are some of the things that you talk about in your book for people that they can do, like on a day to day to make your life better or healthier or more magical?
1: A lot of what I focus on in the book and then also workshops and lectures and things like that that I do is really showing people the sort of magical mindset of the Ozarks. And we kind of have a unique approach to magic and spirituality in that traditionally people that have worked in this system have been incredibly poor. They've lived in the hills and hollers without a lot of external things and so the practices reflect reflects that in that there aren't a lot of specialized tools that are used more often than not you know you're repurposing household objects so that's one thing i like to teach people is you know as a magical person as i was taught you one of my teachers told me she said you know you should be able to do everything you need to do in a completely empty jail cell And that's always been a good metaphor that stuck with me, this idea that, you know, the power is within us, the tools and the timings and the thing, the ingredients, things like that are, you know, they help focus that power, they help enhance that power. But ultimately, everything comes from our own intention, our own power. And so I always like to talk to people about, you know, what sort of things around your house can you use in your magic? Traditionally in the Ozarks, people have used everything from axes to knives to scissors, all of which can magically cut hexes and curses off of people. Um, pe- you know, we've used things like brooms, ordinary brooms, to sweep the body clean of illness and hexes and things like that. Using candles that you have around the house in your practice, or oil lamps, or really popular here in the Ozarks and it's kind of an old timey thing. So lots of oil lamps around. So you know, putting prayers in your oil lamps so that the light illuminates those those prayers and intentions. So I think getting into this sort of mindset that, you know, the the I guess the simple nature of magic. And part of that is this, this idea that the, the, there's a natural magic in the world around us. And the gifted individual is somebody who can tap into that natural magic. But it, it's, it's already everywhere, and it's already inside of us, too. It's just a matter of you know discovering it, of locating it, and being able to use it. So a lot of our rituals, spells, prayers, things like that, are, they, from the outside, they seem very simple— but they're far from simplistic. They're often very complicated in, in their nature. And so I think that's one of the big things is, is kind of giving magical practitioners, modern magical practitioners, a different way of thinking about their practice. Personally, growing up, you know, I was really interested in a lot of different magical traditions, witchcraft, things like that. But I always found myself hitting different walls because I never understood really why I needed certain things. So why did I need a blade consecrated under the Aries full moon (laughs) on a Tuesday, you know, that sort of thing. And of course, I mean, in my book, I talk about how magical timings can enhance your work, things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the the core, the heart of the power is, is in you, is in your connection to this sort of natural flow. And that's always been a big part of Ozark life in general, is this idea that, you know, there's a strong connection between the individual and the natural world. And that natural world is in and of itself spiritual. That's beautiful. So how much I know you... How much of it is –
0: do you work elementally? Because I noticed you talked about you don't burn sassafras because it's water element. It goes to water. Are you consciously going, okay, air and fire and water and earth and and working that within to your spell workings? Or it's just – it's the story that goes with the the herb or whatever itself. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. I I personally work – with a lot of different sort of like i was talking about earlier with timings things like that using certain zodiac moon days uh which is also a a very traditional ozark way of working farmers even use the moon days to with you know plant by the signs as they call it so personally i use uh, elements in formulating uh sort of spell spells and things like that because the, the sort of Ozark folk magic has got this simplistic nature to it, or simplified nature, a lot of times practitioners work in a very dynamic way, meaning they, they don't necessarily have a set ritual that they might do, but they may determine the auspices. So they may read the signs or do a divination to determine what sort of elemental work needs to be done in that time. Normally, it works on a system of opposites. So for instance, if you are diagnosing a person who has been cursed and you determine that the curse is in a part of the body that is associated with water or with a certain zodiac sign that is a water element, you may formulate a ritual that is the opposite of that. So you may do a ritual that involves fire or smoke or something like that. The idea is that whenever you're working against a certain influence, you don't want to use the same influence. So, for instance, when people are healing by the zodiac moon signs, you know, there's every part of the body corresponds to a certain zodiac sign. And so, for instance, if you have a fever, it's in the head. That's Aries. So you want to work opposite of that, which is Libra. And so because Aries is fire, you might incorporate the Libra element, air, as a way of countering that influence. The idea being that if you work with the same element or the same zodiac sign, you're only building that. Right. <laughs> you're you're adding fuel to the fire, so to speak. So, yeah, I work with elemental properties a lot in formulating these these rituals, and that's another thing that I kind of want to try and teach people is the you know the idea that it's good to have certain rituals that you know by heart you know your intention is in it you you know you don't have to keep flipping to the page that sort of thing having those a part of your life is really good but it's also really important to be able to flow with the situation too so especially if you're working for clients for other people, you know, being able to diagnose and formulate spells specifically for this person—that is powerful work. So that's a—you know—I go into that in the book, um, but I, I have lectures and things like that about it as well. My hope is that at some point in the future, I do have a book coming out next year. It's a spell book, the Ozark Mountain spell book. It's—it's it's a grimoire of spells and rituals and all sorts of stuff. But I, I. At, after that, I really want to do a sort of formulary spellbook where I go into how to formulate based upon diagnosis. So, you know, what what zodiac signs you need to use to oppose certain forces, what elements you need to use to oppose certain forces, things like that. So that's, that's one of those areas that I, I, I really nerd out on. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things to do is formulate magical timings for people for for clients and things like that so being able to determine the proper time of day proper day of the week zodiac moon sign phase of the moon down to you know this this perfect time period for doing pretty much any work
0: that is beautiful and, and i love everything is very elemental elemental of this earth and of spirit there now does does ozark mountain magic in itself get into deity at all do you work with god or gods um or is it pretty much just what's in the plant, what's in the suns i
1: ozarkers have always had an interesting relationship with religion and spirituality you know we've been viewed as being very conservative for a long time and in reality, that's probably only about 70 years old. You know, Oz- Ozarkers have been in the Ozarks since about 1810 or so. Um, up until about 1940, 1930, Ozarkers had spirituality; they had religion that they connected to, but it was much more. It was much more simplified. It was, um, you know. <laughs> Folklorists have commented on the fact that Ozarkers outwardly were very religious, but not prudish. So you have stories about farmers rolling naked on their fields as a fertility rituals and things like that. So there's always been this kind of interesting relationship with spirituality. In general, you know, this natural magic in the world can be experienced in a lot of different ways. There are still a lot of traditional workers that connect to this idea of God, like a monotheistic God. Mm-hmm. Some connect to the idea of divinity an almost like pantheistic sort of God in everything view. Um, and of course, now there are a, a lot of different views. Um, you know I know <laughs> uh, rural people who are you know pagans, neo-pagans, druids. <laughs> so there's a lot of different views. But traditionally, you know, the, this magic in the world manifests in a lot of different ways, and one of the ways it manifests is in otherworldly other entities. So you know, traditional people, church-going people, have also worked with the little people who are our fairies. Uh, so there's lots of traditions around healers and magical practitioners who have derived power or certain works from the other world. From the world of not only, you know, spirits of the dead, but spirits of the land. Um, And then, of course, our fairies. So I would say that the relationship with the spirit world has been um, overwhelmingly animistic rather than a sort of deity relationship. In a lot of cases, the old stories and, you know, this approach to religion, it was that God was almost an animistic spirit in the world in and of itself, yeah. that, you know, every plant contained a piece of God, things like that. And so it's, it's interesting to bring that out uh, through the book and through the yeah. lectures and stuff, because I think that, you know, there's been a lot of, very stereotypical views of the Ozarks, like Appalachia as well, Um, the sort of backward conservative sort of stuff. And I really like showing people that, you know, there's a lot more to the story than has been portrayed.
0: Yeah, people are I love that. I'm liking this more and more and more because I don't like to get deity in my work, work with people and stuff, because now you're gonna clash with whatever their belief system, but people understand the magic and nature and herbs and roots and trees and even fairies yeah and also (laughs)
1: ancestral spirits too ancestors have always been a really important part of ozark culture you know people might just not refer to them as ancestors but there's oh i mean even amongst very conservative people there's this idea that the the other world the world of spirits is constantly present uh, so our you know ancestral spirits granny and grandpa are here watching over us as angels you know every day or whatever but uh, the, this idea that the spirit world is always around us it's always present around us and we can we can work with that we can benefit from that and so I like to work with people you know a lot of the people I work with, you know, they they don't want to get into the religion thing, and I don't either, personally. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, everybody is always excited about doing ancestor work because, you know, this is your bloodline. These are, you know, it doesn't matter what you necessarily believe in, but you you have these loved ones who have passed on, and they are willing to work with you or maybe add some magic power to your work, things like that. And, and so that's a way for, I've found that's a way to sort of get into the spiritual side of magic without, you know, bringing up the diversity of religion.
0: Right. I love that. Oh, I can't wait to get this book. So in in this work, so if we're going Ozark folk magic, Ozark, it is it is what it is. You're out there and you're doing the work. You don't necessarily have, here's your altar, or you do, or you don't, or um, is that part well, of it, or that's kept separate?
1: Uh, f- so a personal altar? or like,
0: Well, yeah. Do you have a personal altar? Do you have your healing altar? Do you Again, we're staying away from deity. We're staying away yeah. from all of that.
1: Yeah. So uh, w- what I like to have in my home, I, I like I said with the ancestors, I always like to have an ancestor area in my home, and I always like to have something outside to honor the land spirits. Because, mm-hmm. so, I mean, Ozark is we have a very – you know tumultuous relationship with the land here because we we are settlers we're colonizers here Um, and so i always like to have a, a land altar to honor the spirits that came before me the spirits that came before ozarkers even these ancient spirits that are here so yeah those are two things that i always like to have and those are things that i always encourage my students to have too so You know, setting up an ancestor altar is automatically going to connect you to a lot of different important important ideas within magical traditions. So the idea of having a patron or an ally, these otherworldly spirits that can sort of help filter out certain energies while you're learning your process, while you're getting started. So having an ancestor altar and also having an altar or an area outside for the, the land spirits. And normally I... I always like feeding the animals. So I feed the birds, I feed squirrels, things like that, as an extension of the land. So feeding them and as they're, you know, feeding the spirits along with it. So those are the two things that are really important to me. I have a, a room where I do my work with clients, things like that. But, you know, it's pretty simple. Um, because I, I, the way I work is in this sort of simplified way. I don't have a lot of specialized items and the items that i do have that are specialized are all sort of nature based so in the ozarks magical practitioners and healers have traditionally always been drawn to auspicious natural things so for instance uh hag stones or hole stones um are you know people will string them up for good luck i use them in my practice Uh, also whole roots so roots that form natural holes are used in a lot of different rituals and things like that. So these sort of weird natural things um, are figure into a, a lot of Ozark folk work. So I keep those around, and those are probably the only specialized things I have, apart from you know a few things that people have given to me. But um, I, I obviously don't discourage you know more complicated work or anything like that. Um there's times where my work becomes a little bit more complicated, depending on the situation. Um, Ozark folk magic is all about going with the flow. <laughs> and if the flow is taking you in a more ritualized, you know complicated way, then go. see, you know, see where it's taking you. I think that's one of the big things that surprises people when they've read the book or they hear me talk or anything is this idea, you know that it's so laid back. And yeah, it really is, because it's this idea that you don't need to complicate things, really. (laughs) You know, it's just it's about connecting to something that's already there. You don't have to find it. It's, It's already there. You just have to recognize it
0: exactly i think you are just talking and almost every question i mean this is how i work this is and i go for simplicity myself all, almost always and again excuse my dog in the background okay. she's ugh, she's possessed um not really i have to stop saying that um I am so fascinated. I have so many questions. You are so intuitive. Every question I had, you answered it before I asked it. You would go right into i go, what is the yard thinking I'm going to ask? And you would say right into it. So, um, so I can mute myself for a second. I have so many questions. So you'll have to come back as we're looking at time. Will you come back another time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And teach yeah, us more magic. I, so, I mean, I could, I could talk all day about this. So yeah, I, uh, I, uh, This has been uh, an area, I mean, obviously a passion project of mine. It's it's a part of my heritage, things like that. But my main goal with all of this has been revitalizing a culture that has been sort of forgotten for quite a while. And so I'm always excited to talk about it. And I would love to come back.
0: Okay. You are coming back. So for right now, people, tell them about your book. Tell them where they can find you and work with you, um, social media. Where can people find Brandon?
1: Yeah, so I have a book out uh, from Llewellyn Worldwide, Ozark Folk Magic, Plants, Prayers, and Healing. And uh, it came out in January. I have another book coming out next summer, um, the Ozark Mountain Book. It's going to be a book of rituals, recipes, spells, basically everything that I couldn't put into the first book because of space. Uh, So it's going to be a really good companion guide. Uh, For more information about me, you can go to ozarkhealing.com. That's my main website. Any virtual lectures, in-person workshops, or anything that I do, I'll post on the website. But I also have a Facebook page, Ozark Healing Traditions, and an Instagram, at Ozark Healing Traditions, and a Twitter, Ozark Healing. And I post uh, on uh, workshops and everything across my social media platform. I do have a a workshop coming up in December. It's going to be the last one for the year. It's a virtual lecture, and it's going to be about uh, Ozark Bible magic, so using the Bible as a spell book that sort of thing.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, and they'll find that on your social media, on your website. Yep. Well, I'm excited to get the book. I'm excited to try your magic. I love your energy. I Now, next, I'm going to go to the Ozarks for the first time. Somewhere in there. Um, So thank you, everyone. Check them out. Brandon Weston, Ozark magic everywhere. So thank you so much for being part of the Witching Hour.
1: Thank you.